Hey, fellow traveler, welcome to the Third Eye Awakening podcast, a show where we talk all about spiritual and psychic awakening, magic, the shift from 3D to 5D, star seeds, ascension, multiple timelines, multiple dimensions, the universe, the multiverse, the Akashic records, all the good things. I am your host, Amy Belair, and I'm so glad to have you here with me today. Okay, let's do this. Hi, beautiful souls. Welcome to the free 5D Magic and Manifestation Masterclass, where I'm so excited to share with you the recent clarity, the recent downloads that I've received about manifestation as it filters through all of the different dimensions of consciousness and how it really works. This information has really, really changed the game for me. It shifted my paradigm a lot. And since I kind of like have fully received and integrated this information, my own manifestation process has sped up like very significantly, very significantly. So I'm very, very, very excited to share this information with all of you. Okay. So before we start, I just want to give credit where credit is due and acknowledge that I learned my foundational understanding of manifestation from Joe Dispenza and Abraham Hicks. And I still think that they are absolutely amazing, amazing teachers of the manifestation principles. And as I go through my presentation, you'll hear a lot of things that are familiar from their work. And it's just because that's the cornerstone that my understanding is built upon. So I think what I, what I bring forward is a new depth of understanding of how the F anything shows up in our physical reality, where it comes from and new, new words, new verbiage, new analogies to kind of understand like where, like fill in the gaps a little bit. There are some gaps missing for me through their explanations that have filled in through my own process. And that's what I want to share with you, but it is based on what I learned from them initially. Okay. So number one, first and foremost, I want to acknowledge that you are magic. You absolutely are magic. If you follow me at all, you'll know that that's like my bottom line message is is the acknowledgement that you are a magic being, meaning that you have the ability to create like far beyond what you probably believe that you're able to create, far beyond even what I am able to understand (laughs) what we're able to create. Humans are powerful, powerful creator beings. We are imbued with gifts of powerful imagination and sensitivity to physical and non-physical energy patterns. And we can produce beautiful manifestations when we understand how the process works. It is my belief that we have been programmed very painfully, sometimes very overtly and violently, and sometimes very, very subtly and insidiously out of our magic over centuries and generations. And in order to keep us, you know, feeling insignificant and meaningless and disempowered uh, so that we are constantly looking outside of ourselves for the experience that we believe our manifestations will provide for us and for validation and for a sense of worthiness, peace, and love. But in fact, it's all within us. It is who we are. And this is our time to reclaim it and get it back. 
how we've been programmed out of that and why is a whole other topic. If you want to hear more about that, then just follow me because I touch upon it fairly often. But suffice it to say that that's my belief based on my observation through my life, through my own past life memories, as well as Akashic readings that I've done with other people, just that we are super, super magical. We are all psychically gifted, all gifted with the power of creation and manifestation. Like I said, beyond what we can even conceive of. And we have just been programmed to forget that about ourselves. And that leads into my next thing, which is that our beliefs are everything. They are the cornerstone of the whole manifestation process and the whole experience that we have as humans in this three, four, and 5D realm. Nothing is an objective fact. Everything is subject to observation. There is no such thing as objective, uh, factual information. There's no such thing as, you know, empirical uh, evidence, because that would suggest that there is no observer and that the observer doesn't affect the outcome. And we know, <laughs> we know that that's not true. In fact, it has been scientifically, scientifically demonstrated that that's not true, that the mere fact of observing anything is what decides how any given potential timeline is going to manifest itself into our physical realm. So I'll touch more upon beliefs and the power that they hold, but it's just an important thing to lead in with because your beliefs, and I'm sure you've heard this before, your beliefs are not static. They're totally malleable. You have the power to change them and they dictate everything that you experience. So now I want to go into the dimensions of consciousness and energy and give a little background. If you're in my program into the Akasha or you've taken it in the past or you've taken a program Magic Awakening, then you will have heard this before, but bear with me again. As I go into my understanding of the dimensions of consciousness and how they express themselves from the zeroth dimension to the 13th dimension, I'm aware of dimension zero to 13. There might be more. I don't know. I received it in a download and it took a little while to really integrate and understand, but th these are what I'm aware of. So the zero point dimension, the zero point field, you may have heard people refer to this. It is the, it's just pouring rain here for like days and days and days. The zero point field is the original field from which everything emanates. So the way it was shown to me is as like a placid lake of energy vibrating at a completely even rate. There's no variation at all in it. There's not a ripple. There's not a wave. It's completely placid and uniform all the way across. That's the way it was shown to me at first. And then as I explored it further and panned out, I could see that it was shaped like a torus, which is like a donut shape. And the energy cycles around up and through, up and through, or it can go in the reverse direction depending. But for me, it's always up and through like this, kind of like a, an or ornamental water fountain or a decorative water fountain. So the energy is moving up the spout and out again, and then down back up into the spout and out again. 
And that's the zero point field. So there's no variation there. It's just the substance that we could call God. It's just everything. And the vibration of this substance is a match to the feeling that we would describe as love. And I realize that sounds very cheesy and very like kumbaya and light and love and we're all light workers and blah, blah, blah. But it really, that's how it felt when I received this information. It was like, oh, that's why love feels so good. That's why it is an essential experience for all of us. And when people don't receive love, when they don't have access to love, it leads to very difficult experiences because love is what we are and it is who we are. And it is the substance that creates everything, every single thing. It is that vibrational rate. The first dimension is basically the first declaration of I am. So if you imagine all of source consciousness, all of uh, prime creator or God, I just like to say God because it's faster and easier. So I'm just going to henceforth call it God. I think the first dimension is God declaring that first I am. And it's just the, the decision to be anything. I am whatever. And it causes, that declaration causes a ripple in the field of the zero point field. And that produces the first manifestation. The second dimension is another declaration of I am. Because in the first dimension, as God creates itself as one thing, it's limited in its ability to experience itself as that It almost needs something else to be in comparison to and to be in relationship with, if that makes sense. So the second dimension of consciousness is another I am. And suddenly there are two things. Again, it doesn't matter what they are. It's just two different things. And this is the realm of polarity. But polarity isn't always bad. It's just it can be opposites. It can be couples, it can be harmony, it can be dissonance. It's just two things coexisting together and being in relationship to each other. The third dimension is a third I am so that suddenly choice becomes available. So when there's only two things, you're either like God is either this or that, and that's all. And God can't really choose beyond that. God can't experience the other. It's one or the other. In the third dimension, suddenly there's a third perspective, a third vantage point. And it's like, suddenly I am the third vantage point and I can choose this or I can choose that. And it is in this place that free will is born, choice is born, true polarity is experienced, true harmony is experienced. It suddenly allows relationship to have this whole depth and richness that it didn't have before. It also is a bandwidth of vibration that allowed for uh, a fullness to be experienced and a it's like suddenly everything was able to bloom into form into mass and volume and you know all those other mathy words that describe physical form and you would think from there that it would just continue to be a progression of more and more and more vantage points but no that's not what i was shown What happens in the third dimension is that the experience of free will, the experience of 
true choice is so delicious. And the experience of everything manifesting and blooming into physicality is so delicious that suddenly God consciousness fragments into infinite shards, infinite um, fragments of, of consciousness. It's like a, a mirror shattering. Like in the third dimension, we are still the whole mirror. We're the whole mirror, but we've broken into a whole bunch of different shards and we're all reflecting back to each other. The fourth dimension is space and time. So it's attached to the third dimension insofar as without space and time, without the ability to move, we would all be stuck in that mirror. We'd just be stuck there and nothing would move and, and we could choose, but we couldn't experience our choice. Space and time allows for a beautiful blooming and unfolding of experience and evolution through time, as it were. Time outside of the third dimension isn't linear. In the third dimension, it is experienced in a linear, a sequential pattern. Outside of the third dimension, everything in time is, is happening in this beautiful, suspended, holy, ever-evolving moment of now. It's just this beautiful, it's like constantly swirling and changing, but it's all there now. But in the third dimension, it gets to unfold from start to finish. So a really beautiful example is a piece of music. In the fourth dimension, that piece of music is suspended in its completion. It doesn't have, there's no space in there for it to unfold. It's, it just is in its wholeness. In the third dimension, it's processed through our processors, our mind, our brain, our consciousness through the third dimension. And it's allowed to unfold note by note, bar by bar. And it becomes this beautiful, uh, sublime experience to hear vibration as it translates into sound. So space and time allow for evolution. It allows for alchemy. It allows for blossoming and unfolding. It's what you know allows us to be born as a baby and unfold and evolve through our lifetime. It's what allows a seed to be planted and to become a whole entire tree. Another way of imagining it is that it's like a, a movie reel, like a film reel. So the whole entire film exists on the reel all right now. But as it's fed through the, the film, what's it called? Projector, the film projector, it's broken down and fed through frame by frame. And so it's experienced in a linear unfolding of a beautiful narrative. However, what I was shown is that in actuality, the frames appear static and solid in and like decided upon already from our third dimensional perspective, but actually they are movable and malleable and each frame continues to evolve within itself. And it's not until the moment that it passes through the projector that it solidifies into, you know, what it's going to be. And even then it's still so much more malleable than what we realize. So the fourth dimension is kind of attached to the third dimension. They're inseparable. It's what allows us to evolve. So we don't stay stuck in the third dimension, but we are still allowed so much opportunity to enjoy so much freedom, so much choice. And it's an adventure it, from the soul perspective. It's truly an adventure to have certain parameters 
around, you know, deciding like what our identity is and what our circumstances are and to experience ourselves within the boundaries of those parameters and to make choices within the boundary of those parameters and experience ourselves in whole new ways, whole different ways. It's such a coveted experience. It often feels for us like a trap and it's kind of the hardest dimension of consciousness to get out of, but it's not, it's not a trap. It's not a prison. It is a bandwidth within a whole entire spectrum of vibration. And we're not actually stuck here. It's just such a, such a rich, tactile, delicious, vivid experience that it's really easy for all of our consciousness to get focused right into the experience and forget that we actually expand and extend across all the dimensions as our individual consciousness selves. So the fifth dimension, we hear about 5D a lot these days. It's very much buzzword. I don't usually like buzzwords, but I don't care. 5D is where it's at. That's where we're all headed. And the fifth dimension of consciousness is the return to the awareness that we are souls, that we are, you know, souls for lack of a better term, but we are a greater consciousness than just this human iteration that is experiencing life through ourselves, but that we are actually all one being. We are all of the same substance and source. It is the returning to remembering that time is not linear, that physicality is not static, that nothing is as solid as we think it is, that there are so many more ways to move through this experience within 3D than what we realize. So, so 5D still bridges the 3D experience. It's like you're still in the 3D experience, but you don't feel trapped in it anymore. You're starting to remember and understand the rules, the actual rules, not the fake arbitrary human imposed rules that make no sense and make us all miserable. The actual rules of consciousness and energy, vibration, all of that stuff and how to work within that to experience what you desire to experience and also to glean what there is to glean out of undesirable experiences, to put it kind of lightly. So the fifth dimension resides in the heart. The heart is literally as the chakra. It is the the energetic center. That's the bridge between grounded 3D reality on earth and higher dimensional awareness. It's the bridge point. So it's where we're still human, like I said, but we suddenly have access to all of this higher dimensional consciousness. And the home point is the heart. And it's the heart has its own toroidal field around it. It's been measured and verified by the HeartMath Institute, among others. You can look it up. It's really cool. It has its own toroidal field, a mini version of the zero-point field. So really what it is, is a return to the zero-point field within our own individual experience. It's a, a re-blending with harmony, a re-blending with, with, in harmony with all of creation, is the best way that I can put it. I think that maybe still sounds pretty abstract. I hope that it's coming across clearly. 
But ultimately what it is, is, you know, those beautiful lucid moments you have where you remember that like, oh, like we really are all in this together. We are all the same being. We are all of the same source. When it's like the understanding that when I hurt you, I hurt me. Like we aren't separate things. We're just having an experience that feels separate, that allows us a lot of freedom and autonomy of choice. But we're all experiencing this together. And and what happens in one part of creation affects all of creation. It's that realization. And as we sink deeper and deeper into that five-dimensional consciousness, our, our ability to create and manifest really shifts but also what we desire to create and manifest really shifts. It sort of starts to shift out of uh, self-based manifestations into collective-based manifestations, although they can still be extremely exhilarating and delicious for the self. It's like, it's all, it's because we're all one. We're all one is basically what it is. So the sixth dimension of consciousness is where we start to get into how manifestation really works. And what I was shown is that sixth dimensional consciousness is beautiful geometric patterns, sacred geometry, if you will. I mean, I think all geometry is sacred. Maybe I'm wrong, whatever. What I was shown is that the sixth and seventh dimension go hand in hand. The seventh dimension is like the cosmic song. It is the the sound. It is the tone that creates the ripple in the field of energy that is you know the field of all creation so sixth and seventh dimensional beings as they create even five fifth dimensional beings as they create they think a thought with purity and by purity i mean there are no warping beliefs attached to it it's just a pure thought and that thought projects a pattern, a code that assembles itself into a geometric lattice, a geometric shape within the energy field. And it takes form as a, it's a, it's like a tone. It's like, as they think they produce a sound in, in, in concert with that thought. And that is what creates the ripple and the variation. And it assembles itself as a sacred geometric pattern. And that's like the pre-matter template. From there, it you know kind of like trickles down through five, four, and 3D and, and blooms into the third dimension for us to experience physically. If you've ever heard of cymatics, it's the same thing. It's the the sound creating patterns. So if you haven't heard of cymatics, look it up. It'll it'll help to fill in the gaps of what I'm saying here. I know this is abstract, but I also know you're all brilliant and it's got to feel familiar in some way. So eighth dimensional beings are, it's like the, the oversoul consciousness of any group of beings. So for example, we have an oversoul consciousness that is dreaming up this whole story as it plays out on earth. And it's just the reminder again, that we are all one. An eighth dimensional being isn't God. It's just like, 
It's like everything happens on infinite scales. So we are all tiny fragments of that larger being, just this way our cells are tiny fragments of this larger being. So the whole beautiful comedy, tragedy, drama of the human evolutionary story is being dreamed up by a cosmic dreaming mind that exists in the eighth dimension, but there are higher minds than that even. The dimensions above that, I'm just going to sort of speed through because they don't pertain to us as much in terms of manifestation, but I'm sure you all don't want me to leave you on a cliffhanger around this. So the ninth dimension, as I saw, is all of those infinite scales. So when you if you were to zero in on the tiniest particle that exists in physicality, if you really zoomed in on it, it would bloom into a whole, like there would be even smaller. You would see that there's even, even smaller. There is no end. There's no smallest point. There's no largest point. It just uh, blooms on either side. And that's how creation arranges itself. If you've ever seen those beautiful pictures of, or beautiful sort of animations of fractals, uh, when people program fractals into a computer program, and they just keep blooming, blooming, blooming into, you know, greater and smaller versions of the same pattern, that's what the ninth dimension of consciousness is. And then the 10th dimension of consciousness is It's sort of the through line that connects us all as we move in the same spiralic pattern. So we exist, we we don't exist on a linear trajectory. Like I said, we exist on a spiralic secular trajectory within the whole universe, including our world. You can see this um, through the in-breath and the out-breath. There's an in-breath and a pause and an out-breath and a pause. You can see this in the cycles of the moon, in the cycles of the sun and the seasons, day and night, cycles of decades, the procession of the equinox, the spiraling of galaxies. Like, you know, there are a gajillion, gajillion different examples to present. But essentially, it's sort of like this through line that anchors us all into the same swirling pattern and it just swirls on all the different scales but we're all moving in perfect rhythm all together with each other the 11th dimension is the cosmic web of energy that connects everything i don't really know how else to describe it than that but it's It's the same thing as looking at a neural network, photographs of a neural network from MRIs or whatever machine they use, where, you know, there are clusters of brightness constellations, but they're all connected with a web of energy. Nothing is separate. Nothing is individual. And then it's, it's contained within unexpressed energy, dark energy, dark matter, just matter and energy that are the mystery, basically. The 12th dimension is that swirl that I was talking about. It's the the propulsion that carries us all in the same evolutionary direction. So it's the force, it's the current that moves everything along the spiral and the cycle. And the 13th dimension is the place where we enter the event horizon on the zero point field, the Taurus, and we get sucked into the portal to be birthed out elsewhere in a new iteration somewhere in the multiverse 
to go through the whole beautiful process of evolution all over again. So what does this mean for us in manifestation? So basically humans, as I see humans sort of manifest between the first and the seventh dimension. Uh, That's where our power of manifestation exists. Our consciousness, our human consciousness extends beyond all of those dimensions. If you imagine the electromagnetic spectrum, and then you consider like visible light, it's so tiny. It's such a tiny little fragment of the whole broad electromagnetic spectrum. And I'll also put forward that the outer edges of the electromagnetic spectrum they, they aren't stopping places. They are just where our instruments cannot measure any further. But of course, that energy continues to exist in perpetuity on both ends. So we interpret information in this tiny little bandwidth of vibration as humans, but our consciousness extends way beyond that, way beyond that. And we have gotten really beguiled by the visceral quality of the third dimensional experience to get so that we're really, really focused on it. And we've forgotten that we extend beyond just 3D. So we employ the I am, the power of the I am statement, which is the first dimension of consciousness. So we are like a mini God. We are literally mini God experiencing on tinier scales what the greater God being is experiencing. So the power of the I am statement is, it's incredible. It's that first dimension of consciousness where we get to declare something for ourselves. And lucky for us in the first dimension or in the third dimension, we get to do it over and over and over again, every day, countless times, countless times. The power of that I am declaration is like the beginning of the creation process, the manifestation process. The second dimension is where we experience, um, as Abraham Hicks would refer to it, contrast. So we we clarify what it is that we desire to be or do or have or experience through the option of polarity, through you know, the experience of harmony versus dissonance through choosing one thing or another thing through experiencing something that we really don't like and we don't ever want to feel again, then it, it produces automatically inherently a clarity about what we do want instead. The third dimension is where we translate it all into like hyper real, vividly detailed technicolor, delicious experience for ourselves. The fourth dimension is where we get to experience it's unfolding little by little so that it's like a beautiful bajillion course meal rather than, you know, just having it all suddenly at once. The fifth dimension is where we remember this power that we have and we are able to apply it into our experience of manifesting. The sixth dimension is where we where we receive the information, like it's where our manifestation exists before we translate it into the third dimension. And the seventh dimension is, again, it's like attached to the, the sixth dimension. It is like the, 
the thought, the sound that creates our desire before we even experience it. The moment we have it, the moment we feel a desire and we think of something that we want, it it truly is born. Abraham Hicks calls it a rocket of desire. And before I understood it in this way, like I kind of got what she meant, but not really. So essentially what it is, is that the moment that we, the moment that we consciously, especially consciously, rather than subconsciously, the moment we consciously desire something, it's done. It's literally done. It's instantaneous. In the in the non-physical dimensions, there is no a seventh dimensional beautiful sound ripple that instantly takes the shape of a geometric framework. And that's the pre-matter template behind everything that we experience as a manifestation. So it is instantaneously done. It's instantly done. So then if that's so, why don't we experience it right away? Why? Well, I'll tell you why. So humans are complicated. That's why. The way we work, the way we manifest as human beings is that our minds, our consciousness is the projector. It is the film projector that translates the information. So all around us, energy is arranged in patterns, those geometric patterns or codes, if you will. It's all codes and we decode it and we project it outward onto into the simulation. The third dimension is it's like it's a simulation. We think it's so friggin real. It's not. I mean, it's real. It's a real place. It's not imaginary, but it's not real the way we think it's real. It's a simulation and we project it out onto the green screen. We are the renderers of the codes, the renderers of the energy patterns, the non-physical energy patterns. They, we receive them through our physical and non-physical senses. And our consciousness proceeds to translate it and decode it. So it's like receiving a zip file. We're the unzippers. We unzip the zip file and allow it to then bloom into the third dimension. Without beings, and humans aren't the only ones, but without beings to translate all of this information, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't exist in the third dimension. We are required. We are we are active participants in this beautiful unfolding experience. Sometimes it's very hideous and painful and ugly. I will of course acknowledge that, but from a greater, more expanded soul perspective, we all find it beautiful when we're not in it. <laughs> we are necessary participants in the in the unzipping of the zip files in the third dimension so that it can come into creation. It must be processed through the observer. It's not possible for it not to be processed through the observer. What's another way to put it? It's like that tiny spectrum that is the visible light spectrum. We call it the visible light spectrum because it's visible to who? To us. Without us, it wouldn't be the visible light spectrum. It would still continue to exist on the continuum of the electromagnetic spectrum, but it wouldn't be visible by anybody. 
It requires us. We must decode it. We must receive those non-physical energy patterns and then unzip the file and decode it, project it out into the world and create the fullness of the third dimensional experience of it. I hope that makes sense. So that's great. So it exists in pre-matter form uh, as a, an instantaneous fact in the sixth dimension as geometric shape and energy code. And then we decode it. Why? Why then? Why? Like if it's so done the second you have the, the manifestation, why? why don't we experience it right away? Or why do some people feel like they never experience what they desire to manifest ever? I'll tell you why. Because humans have beliefs that bung the whole process up. We have beliefs. And it's like part of the joy of being a human from a soul perspective. But it's like the bane of being a human from a human perspective. It's friggin' annoying. But it is what it is. It is what it is. If you imagine, so, so beings who, you know, six dimensional beings, for example, or higher, when they manifest, they don't have to translate it into the physical. So they emanate a pure thought. And I mean, it's pure because they don't have beliefs bunging it up. In the third dimension, we feel like this is all we are. And so it's easy for beliefs to be created that separate us from our continuation across all of the dimensions. In the sixth dimension, for example, you can see the whole of creation. You're not trapped in this little vantage point. You see it all. So you don't create weird stories and beliefs that warp your ability to translate energy codes. They're, they're just there. So you have this pure thought like, I desire to create a house. I desire to create a building. You emanate the thought and it instantly takes form and you fill it in with your, your desire. Basically, six dimensional beings aren't physical. So their creations aren't physical. So everything is like, it's like a dream. They don't need, they don't need to reach out and touch it solidly for it to be real. They just think it and it's real if that makes sense. We, we are physical. Uh, we experience things through our physical uh, senses. We want things to be physical and real. That's what we, we don't even acknowledge that anything friggin' is real unless there's something physical to it. Like we're so married to this perception of being in the third dimension. It's funny actually, <laughs> but it is part of the appeal to come here. It's a big challenge. It's, it's a big challenge for souls. They, so many of them want to do it. So we have these beliefs that bung everything up. Like I started out with, beliefs are everything. They are everything. It's 11, 11. So they determine what we receive and what we perceive and how we perceive or render it. So, so what I mean is that if you have no context for something that you desire to manifest, so let's say you desire to manifest a loving partnership and you have you had a, a nightmarish childhood. You didn't experience any love. You didn't experience any care. You have no framework or context for what a loving bond feels like to be in, in relationship with somebody else in a way that feels honoring and loving and healthy and supportive and nurturing and nourishing. If you have no context for it at all, then even though it exists all around you in physical and non-physical as 
energy codes and as translated already in physical reality energy codes, you can't receive it because you have no framework for it. So it's like somebody speaking a whole different language to you. If somebody speaks to me in Swahili, I can't receive the message because I don't have any knowledge of that language at all whatsoever. So I can't receive the message if it's spoken in that in that language. And it's the same. If there are energy codes around us, there are energy patterns around us that match every single thing, everything imaginable. The universe is completely unlimited. And if we don't have a framework in our experience and our beliefs to be able to translate it, then it's like it doesn't exist. We just don't even receive it. We don't receive it at all. However, if we have a context for love, but it's wounded, if we experienced love, but there was manipulation around it, or there was pain around it, or loss, or anything, which is true for most of us, then we we can perceive it, we can receive it and perceive it, and we can decode that energy pattern of a loving relationship, but it's going to be in a warped way. We warp the energy through our beliefs and our context so that what it then manifests as is a warped version of the initial pure manifestation. And that's not because there's anything wrong with us. It's just the way it works. We have to bend it. It's like we have to, it's like if the the energy codes that we're receiving to manifest with, if it was like a plasma kind of quality, like Play-Doh, it has to fit through the framework that we have based on our beliefs and our stories, based on the experiences that we've had. And it'll take that shape even though that's not what the original energy pattern was shaped to be. If we have a pure, clean context for romantic love or a loving relationship or partnership in any way, then we can cleanly receive that energy pattern and decode it cleanly in its original form. And it manifests as it was intended to be experienced. It doesn't get warped along the way. Manifestation is decoding something that already exists in your experienced reality, okay? It already exists. You created it the moment that you imagined it, the moment that you desired it, the moment that you desired it. It, it already exists. Everything exists. Like, there's multiple timelines, multiple probabilities. There is no, you know, when, when people come for a reading and they ask when they're going to meet their soulmate, it's like, there are so many variables. There are so many potential outcomes to that. It's impossible to answer. It's truly impossible to answer. There's only the probability based on where the person's energy is at right now, but they can change that easily, easily and quickly and, and have a whole different experience. So we're not manifestation isn't the like making of something. It's just the translating of the thing that exists already. And it's so much easier, so much easier than at least I previously thought it was. And so much easier than I think a lot of people understand it to be. So ultimately you are God. Okay. You, you are God. You, you are God. We are God. We're God filtered into this 
bandwidth of vibration. That's all there is to it. And we are experiencing creation. We are experiencing the whole evolutionary journey of God consciousness through this tiny bandwidth of vibration. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. God is birthing desires through you. And then it is orgasming with ecstatic fulfillment of those desires through you. So in a sense, your desires don't even come through you. Like we attach it to ourselves so much and we have all these weird stories about who we are and what we're worthy of and how dare we and blah, blah, blah. But the, the truth is anytime you feel a desire, it's not even, it's, okay, it's, I was going to say it's not even you, but it's not just you. It's God. It's God that's like, oh my God, I want to, oh myself, I want to experience this. I want to experience this through this version of myself. And it's like, God just basically has these full body orgasms of pleasure at its own desire <laughs> just that the desire and then furthermore the fulfillment of that desire is like a whole other level so we don't have any reason to be ashamed of our desires or angry with ourselves or feel like we're asking too much or we're too selfish or whatever 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 it's like my friend ray uh she says your desires are a gift from God and your fulfillment of those desires are your gift back to God. And I just think that's such a beautiful way of putting it. It's like, God isn't giving you desires like, like you're a little child that gets to be given a treat. It's like God is you and God desires. That's the whole point of the whole thing. The whole experience is to evolve and unfold and have experiences to experience self in infinite ways okay so god is you desiring experiences through you through the fulfillment of you so god feels the desire through you and they birth into existence the desires birth into existence as energy patterns as a code to be decoded, the zip file. Now you, God in human form, you decode the energy pattern, you unzip the zip file and translate it into your physical experience, meaning you translate it into this tiny bandwidth of vibration. And then, like how this is really supposed to work is that as you experience your manifestation, the decoding of your desire, into your physical experience, God, you experience it and God experiences it. And together you have the most delicious orgasm. And orgasm is the only word I can think of. If it's offensive to anybody, I apologize. But it's like that full being flooding of pleasure, just waves and waves of pleasure washing over you. That's how it's supposed to work. That's what we're here to do. That's what this whole human thing is supposed to be about. Now, for reasons that are beyond the scope of this particular masterclass, we've gotten like complicated it very much. 
So what it actually looks like is we bung it all up with our entirely erroneous and warped perceptions of ourselves and of the world and of what's possible. And we manifest something that feels painful, disappointing, wrong, off, a distortion of what it's supposed to be. And we make it mean something about us. We make it mean that we're bad, we're unworthy, we're undeserving. We use it to reinforce the stories that we have about who we are and what's possible and what's available in this incredible infinite experience of unending, ever-expanding, ever-evolving energy. So that's how it usually goes. But this can also be a good thing. Like we can still use this to our advantage because it lets us know where the warped fuckery is and what is waiting to be unwarped, basically. So as we all manifest things that we do not desire to experience, rather than making it be about us, that we're like, we're bad or we suck or we can't figure out this manifestation thing, all it is is just feedback that tells us like, oh, some belief that I have is warped. Some belief I have is warping the pure energy form that came from the pure desire that I had. I'm the one, like the desire is pure. It's pristine. It's completely like all the lines are straight, like it's symmetrical. It's like, beautiful. It's so beautiful. I'm the one that caused it to distort and warp as I, you know, fed it through my mold, the mold of my framework. So it just tells you where to like unwarp your own beliefs, basically. The warpedness is just a story. Nothing inherently means anything. Nothing, nothing we experience inherently means anything. They're all neutral events. We create the meaning of everything and the the meaning, the story produces an emotional charge. Now, of course, I will acknowledge that there are entirely neutral events that cause us a lot of pain and that's just a normal reaction as a human. I mean, I don't need to go into deep illustration, but you you know, if you've ever had an experience that has caused you deep, deep, deep pain, deep pain, I'm not trying to say that you shouldn't feel pain around it. I've had a lot of those experiences. The one that is the easiest for me to use to illustrate is the death of my newborn son. That on its own was a neutral event, but it was very painful, very, very painful. And that's just a normal, natural reaction. Anytime we experience an attack by somebody else where we are victimized, anytime we experience an accident that jeopardizes our health and well-being, the death of somebody important to us, anything like that, those like tarot card tower moments, those are going to cause us pain. And that's not a reflection that there's something wrong with us. It's just that we just have to be mindful of the story we're creating around it. It's fine that it causes us pain. It's normal that it causes us pain. But we tend to create stories around it that then keep that pain alive and reinforce that pain. So everything is neutral. We create the meaning of everything. And the meaning, the story produces an emotional charge. And the emotional charge becomes the point of magnetic attraction. So Abraham Hicks says that our thoughts create reality. I mean, that's true. 
but what magnetizes, like the thought creates the desire or the, the, the desire is produced on the level of thought. And then we think thoughts that either support that manifestation or that desire or don't support it. But what I personally find is that the thing that actually magnetizes it into our life, the thing that actually brings it into manifestation is the emotional charge around it. So if you have a really beautiful emotional charge around something that, you know, harmonizes with the vibration of love, then you're going to have a beautiful manifestation. Like if you believe that you are a super fun person and you always have great friends, really, really delicious soul nourishing friendships with a lot of fun and a lot of laughing and good times and shenanigans, then that's a beautiful emotional charge. It's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful emotional charge. You're going to magnetize your into your manifestation things that match that story. If you have a story that people don't like you, people don't get you, you always feel like the odd one out, socializing causes you anxiety, you've never had friends. You're afraid that you'll always be alone. Those are very painful emotional charges. And they start to fill in the that geometric energetic framework with a painful emotional charge. So it imbues the energy pattern, the lattice of your manifestation with an electromagnetic charge. I don't know if it's actually electromagnetic or electromagnetic, but that's the best analogy I can come up with. So the emotion charges, like if you imagine a beautiful, let's say, I don't even have the words to describe the geometry that I'm seeing, but let's say a beautiful hexagon. Okay. Like, but it's a complex, like, you know, multidimensional hexagon, but you're just seeing the beautiful, it's like, made of gold it's so pretty like fine lines this this framework this lattice the emotion you feel in response to the beliefs that you have about this desire they imbue those you know gold lines that framework with a charge that magnetizes things that match that charge so the the original desire is just a perfect neutral geometric pattern. And then we supply the emotional charge and the emotional charge becomes the point of attraction that starts to fill in that geometric pattern. So the emotional charge draws in all of the tiny subatomic particles that are continuously blipping in and out of the third dimension of bandwidth all the time anyway, blipping in and out of physical existence. And the lattice of your creation, that geometric lattice begins to fill in. It begins to gather momentum. It gathers mass and volume. It attracts more and more of it to itself. And as long as it carries like a, a negative emotional charge, it'll, it'll attract pieces and particles and physicality that match that negative emotional charge. So as soon as you desire it, it already exists. You simply charge it with your attention and your emotion and it translates into physical reality. It already exists. <laughs> You're merely translating it through the framework of your beliefs. Okay, so how do you manifest what you want, what you actually want? So the first thing you do is you honor your desire. You are allowed to want things. You are allowed to want anything, 
anything. You're allowed to desire anything. You have permission from God. A lot of the time we receive this programming early on in our lives that we don't have permission to want things. We're not allowed to want it. Wanting things is bad. It's ungrateful. You should be ashamed of yourself. But you just just eradicate all of that. Enjoy your desire. Enjoy just the having of a desire, whether it's fulfilled or not. You know, like if you if you desire to travel, just enjoy that you have the desire to travel. Play with it. Make love to it. Like revel in the joy of that desire. Your desires, your desire is your partner. It is your life force essence. It's the thing that propels you forward into life, into constant delicious evolution. And do you even understand what not having desire means? It means either you're you're dead, you're not alive anymore, or you have you feel so broken by what you've experienced thus far in life that you've become completely disconnected with the the whole delicious point of existence. You feel so hopeless that you can't even you can't even feel your desires anymore. And also I'll say that that doesn't mean you're broken. And certain things we experience in life will leave us feeling that way potentially, temporarily, but it doesn't have to be forever. And don't make yourself wrong. Like, don't hear what I'm saying and be like, oh my God, I'm broken. That's not what I mean at all. I mean that I just mean to say that your desires are so special and important in and of themselves. And they're so important to honor, so important to honor. Your desire is a gift revel in it, and love it. Next, notice where you feel sad, painful, cranky, angry, frustrated, despairing, whatever negative feeling around your desire. Because this is where this is where the emotional charge is. So when you feel that, don't freak out. Don't get mad at yourself. Don't have bad, don't let bad feelings mean that you don't get to have your thing or that you're ruining your manifestation. Your your negative feelings aren't your enemy. Your feelings aren't your enemies. They are alchemists. They carry a message. They always carry a message. Always, 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 always. Recently, I realized that for me, anxiety means that I'm desiring something and I'm quietly in the background of my thoughts, not even letting myself have it. Like not letting myself even like believe that it could be possible to the point where I shut it out and disconnect from it altogether. Then it fills me with anxiety. Like, like there's like, basically God's like, why are you clock cock blocking me? Like, let me want this. God damn it. (laughs) So don't freak out. Don't let it mean anything bad about you. Just let it, let it lead you to where the emotional charge is. Just, don't resist it. Don't try to push those feelings away. Just surrender to it, soften into it, lean into it, open up to it. Know that it's not going to destroy you. Your bad feelings aren't going to destroy you, your painful feelings, and that there is a charge built up there that wants to be released. Catharsis has to be experienced. So just follow the thread of that emotion. Just let it be there until the thing comes up and then allow the emotional charge to release. So that's like crying, it's swearing, it's writing a really angry letter, it's raging, punching a pillow, 
biting a pillow, something, don't take it out on anybody else. It's not their responsibility, but you know, it's like whatever you need to do to move that energy through you in a truly cathartic way, in a truly cathartic way. And you'll know when the charge is dissipated, you'll probably feel really tired and ready for a nap. And then also like, just know that it will build up again because everything is cyclical and, and we very seldom release the whole charge in one go. So we release the charge and then we kind of like chill out, take a nap and continue with the process. And it's okay. The charge will probably build up again quietly in the background. But every time that you release it and follow this process, it'll get less and less potent. It'll get so much easier to release. So you'll sort of detect it and then be able to like know like, oh, I recognize that charge and I recognize the story behind that charge and I'm able to release it and it won't always involve like crying and, you know, beating up your pillows or whatever. It'll start to feel easier because the charge won't really necessarily always be so big around the same story. So once you've released the charge and maybe taken a nap or a bath or just chilled out or whatever, like giving yourself a little bit of grace time, then you gently replace it with a new story. This blends into the next step. I think I'm I'm just going to step right, go right into the next step. The new story has to resonate at the frequency of love. This was the final piece for me that was a, a complete and absolute game changer. The substance of love is the substance of all creation. The feeling that we recognize as, as love is the, the vibration that underlies everything, everything in the universe, every single thing in the universe. It is the vibration of the universe. So it is fundamentally, not only is it what creates everything you desire, but it is, it is the motivation beneath everything that you desire everything that any of us desires is to experience love. I know this sounds so cheesy, but it's not. It really isn't. (laughs) We've been programmed to believe that talking about love is cheesy. Love is the return home. It is the remembering of who you really are. That's why it feels so good. That's why it feels so good. Because it is the truth of who you are. And what everything is. And also I will say, I have a theory that this is why love is attacked. And our initial bonds of love and our experience of love are subverted and even like outright damaged and attacked right from the very beginning. And I say this as a former midwife who saw all the tiny little ways that that bond and that experience is so undermined. And even to the point where, you know, most of our songs, love songs and pop, pop culture, and most of our like movies and TV shows and references to love and pop culture are all about the betrayal of love, the damage of love, the jealousy of love, the ache and yearning for love. It's never just about like the exalted version of love. It's because that's what our point of power is. And it's, it's designed to keep us disconnected from our point of power. So don't underestimate the power of love. Don't fall into the temptation to be like, wah, wah, she wants us to tap into love. It's a real thing. It's very, very powerful. And I'm telling you, this is what sped up my manifestations like that. So it is the truth of who you really are. It is what creates all that you desire and everything that we experience. Pure love is all you have to feel just a few times a day. Just feel it. But Amy, 
I've never experienced love. All of my experience of love has been wounded or damaged. I don't know what love feels like. Yes, you do. And also most people have had that experience where our our context of love is wounded. But even if you've never known love at all, if you decide you want to experience it, you can because it is what you are. It is what you are made of. It is literally you. It is the most familiar vibration there is. You you just have to sort of like just make space for it. Just receive it. Just believe it. A lot of manifestation people talk about feeling what it would feel like to like if you had your manifestation already. And, and I believe that's true and beneficial. I've tried that, but what really sped things up crazy fast is to just feel love. Some of us need to practice the feeling of giving love, but I would argue that most of us need to practice the receiving of love. So it's just like, it, again, it doesn't have to be long. You don't have to spend hours a day being like, love you just just take a minute or two and just sort of chill out and just it's the feeling of imagine yourself as a newborn what does a newborn want and need all it wants safety nourishment love and to be like be held as an absolute miracle that's all a newborn desires and that's all any of us fundamentally desire and as we evolve in our lives and acquire more life experience our desires become more complex and varied but i'm a hundred percent convinced that beneath everything that we wish to experience what we want to connect back with, what we want from that experience is to reconnect to those feelings of being safe, being nourished, being loved, and being beheld as a miracle. And if you can kind of take yourself back to that aspect of yourself who has only those fundamental desires, and just allow yourself to receive those desires, receive that feeling, receive that level of love. For me, the way, the way that it has been most effective for me is to personify it. So it was really only last week that I started imagining, at first I started imagining money as a person. And then it kind of extended like beyond just money. It just extended to everything. And that person just loves me in those ways, no matter what. It's the most unconditional feeling. And as I just leaned into it, it just feels like a sigh of relief. It feels so real. It feels so present. It's around us and surrounding us. It's being delivered to us all the time, but we cut ourselves off from it with our weird stories of unworthiness and, you know, all that stuff and just like not believing it's really there, but it's, it's there. As soon as I opened up to it, it just flooded in. And maybe that works for you to imagine it as a person, personify it as well. You could imagine it's your spirit guide. 
you could, it doesn't matter. And like me, like imagining something doesn't make it imaginary. It just means that you're kind of like tricking your brain a little bit, tricking, tricking the naysaying part of your brain, bypassing it so that you can receive that vibration. And as you just receive that feeling, just receive that depth of love and absolute like marveling at the exquisite miracle that you are. Even as I'm talking about it, my whole vibration has changed. Everything changes. I feel myself in the fifth dimension where it's almost like the depth of space starts to sort of like blend together and flatten. And like, I can feel time just isn't the same experience as it was like 10 minutes ago when I was just trying to, you know, do my presentation. I'm telling you, this is, this is the key. This is the key thing for me. It sped things up so freaking fast. It's unbelievable. At the very end, I'll give you like an example as best I can. So don't underestimate the power of that feeling. Practice it. Don't get mad at yourself if you can't connect with it right away. Just prioritize connecting with it, even for like friggin' 60 seconds in a day. It's so easy. You can do it anywhere. The more you practice it, the more readily available and accessible it is. Just receive that. Receive it. Don't worry about, you know, like if you're trying to manifest like, you know, a six-figure year and you've never earned six figures and you don't really know anybody personally in your physical life who has, it can be really hard to to connect with feeling the feelings of that. Fuck that stuff. Don't pay attention to that. Don't beat your head against the wall trying to connect with the feeling of an experience that you've never had before. So you don't know what it is. Just connect to that level of love and receive that level of love because it's your birthright, because it's there for you right now. Just connect into that and watch as it manifests as everything that you ever wanted quickly and easily. Just receive that love. So then the next thing is surrender, which really just means releasing any attachment to like how it's going to come in. So Again, if you're trying to manifest a six-figure year and you've, you know, you've always had an experience of financial scarcity and struggle, then of course your brain is going to lose its shit and try to be like, yeah, but how, but how, but how, and try and control the how. What that really denotes is that you don't trust that it can happen and your brain still believes it has to make it happen. And again, all you have to do to, to surrender is return to that feeling of love because in that place, you don't need anything and you can access it no matter what your circumstances are, no matter where you are. And it doesn't have to be on the subject of money or the subject of a new house or a new car or a romantic relationship or health or whatever it is that you want to manifest. It's just love. It's just that deep, deep Like everything is okay. I'm swaddled. I'm held. I'm, you know, I'm held and I'm safe. That love. I'm absolutely adored and wanted. That love. Just feel into that. And then your brain releases the how. Because all your brain is looking for is that feeling of safety and security. And and the feeling of being wanted. So, and then, and then even when you're not like 
you know, obsessing over how just mind that you're not, you're not taking inventory, you're not keeping score, that you're just always returning to that feeling. You're not like, oh my God, it's not here yet. I'm doing something wrong. Just like, just chill, just chill. Don't worry about it. Live your life. Not only that, but like that takes you out of the perfection of this moment. And no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what, truly, there are incredibly beautiful aspects available to you in any moment. And the more you stay in the moment, which is challenging, I'm not perfect at it, and just like soak it up and like vibe up and juice up the perfection of this moment, the more it keeps you in your point of power because you don't have any power in the future. It's not here yet. Like the future is all conceptual. You don't have any power in the past. Likewise, the past is all conceptual. You only have power in the moment. So when you return to love and you return to excited, like, you know, like you're enjoying, you can find something in this moment that is like vibey and juicy, then that's your point of power and you continue to attract from that magnetic charge. And then that just sort of like delivers cookie crumbs for you to follow too. Like as you like juice up every beautiful thing that's happening in your moments, even if it's like, I mean, moment absolutely is horrendous and a nightmare. You can look up and see the dust as it floats down through a shaft of light in a dark prison cell. And just have a moment of lucidity where the beauty of that hits you. You know, there's there really is beauty available in every moment. And if you miss it in this moment, it's okay. The next moment is the next moment is here already. Just find it in the moment. And that allows you to follow the cookie crumbs, which you know leads you to, as Abraham Hicks would say, rendezvous with your manifestation, which has taken form, which has been translated into physical reality. And now you're on your path to encounter it. And then be kind and gentle with yourself. Like understand that you are deconditioning and dissolving centuries worth of programming, centuries worth, generations worth of programming. It's not an impossible task, but it can feel daunting. It can feel hard sometimes, but you've got this. You're totally capable of doing it. And also, I just want to remind you that this is in part why you came to earth in this life is to be part of the unraveling of all of this conditioning and programming that keeps us feeling so trapped and limited, so disconnected from our inherent birthright magic and power, our creative power, our worthiness. We came to dismantle this and to replace it with something new that is empowering and liberating and incredible. And it's not selfish. Whatever you're, whatever you're choosing to manifest for yourself, even if it's like a, a new car, let's say, let's say you, you want to manifest a new car. You want to manifest a million dollars. That's not a selfish desire. It feels delicious and exciting for you. It's motivated by the thrill that you will experience when it manifests into your life. But it is on behalf of all humanity and all life everywhere. Because if you think about having a new car, for example, Every time you're able to manifest something new for yourself, whether it seems like totally shallow and material, 
And I mean, manifest, not take it from somebody else, not do it from a place of like wounded power where you have to step on other people to get it. I mean, manifest where you are anchored in your power and your worthiness and your connection to love as the actual truth of your being, then you provide a pathway and evidence to everybody else who is searching for that, who knows, who knows that there's got to be something more than this. There's got to be a different way to do this. You are now more evidence to them that it's possible. If you manifest a million dollars for yourself, what does that mean? It means that you manifested it out of your power, in your power, probably helping a ton of people along the way, supporting them with your services and your gifts. And now you have a million dollars to spend and you're going to spend it in an empowered way that empowers more and more people. And you're also going to show people that like money is not a, not a subject of disempowerment. It can totally be a subject empowerment. You know, like this is not just a selfish thing. Every time that we, we engage in this deconditioning and, and deprogramming of all the damaging you know, messages we've received. This is in, this is on behalf of all of humanity, all life everywhere, the evolution of the entire universe. So, you know, be nice to yourself and cut yourself some slack and enjoy it. And then the last, the very last thing I want to talk about, woo, coming in just under an hour and a half, is uh, quantum leaping and instant manifestation. Because of course, people wonder about this. Usually what we want to quantum leap and we want instant manifestation because we believe that we're not going to be okay until we have the thing that we want. So again, on the topic of money, because that's usually in the examples I come up with in the readings that I'm doing or in listening to other people who talk on manifestation, they want to manifest money right away because they have a bunch of bills. They feel scared. They feel unsafe. They feel like they need the money to show up now so that they can pay those bills, cover those expenses, and then everything will be okay. So right there, you have to follow that feeling, that contracted feeling, and find the emotional charge and release the emotional charge and replace it by two, like basically by tuning into that feeling of love and that feeling of like having ju just... Abraham Hicks calls it well-being, but I couldn't really quite connect to that. It wasn't until I just like leaned into the idea of somebody loving me so much, so unconditionally that fucking none of this matters. Like the stakes mean nothing. The stakes that I thought were there, the high stakes aren't even there. They aren't even real. It doesn't even mean anything. All I actually desire is that degree of love. And knowing that no matter what, no, absolutely no matter what, I get to receive that love. That love is available to me at all times. It wasn't until I tuned into that, that I was able to really understand what she means by well-being. So anytime that you kind of like follow that thread, discharge the fear that's around that, the fear and the panic, and basically the worry that you're not going to be okay, that you're, you don't have love, you don't have safety and replace it with that feeling of love, it will come in as instantly as it can. And by instant, I really do mean really fast, really fast. But it's all about belief. It's all about what you can actually 
conceive of to allow into your experience within a certain timeline. So you, if you believe that manifestation has to take long and be hard, then it has no choice but to be that because you are dictating the terms by which you're translating everything. So it's just like loosening that shit up and, you know, being like, you know, gently kind of being like, what if, what if it could come in faster than my brain even knows what if my brain is just trying to control everything because it wants to feel safe and I love my brain and I'm I love my fear it just wants me to be safe but I don't have to be ruled by it and what if I can just lean into this feeling of love and just let it happen what if things can happen miraculously and things can surprise me what if the universe is completely unlimited completely unlimited beyond my understanding and things can manifest faster and more easily and more perfectly and more delightfully than my sweet limited brain human brain can understand just you know ease into it like that and then understand that actually what we can allow into our experience, what we can receive is a direct function of what our nervous system can handle. The nervous system is an intersection of our physical 3D body and our beliefs. So it's our beliefs that intersect with our body and ignites a feeling of fear and like insecurity, instability. So we have to calm our nervous system down. And again, on the subject of money, for example, well, no, let's take it to love, but you can extrapolate and apply it to money too. So on the subject of money quickly, you know, if you want to manifest a lot of money, but your nervous system feels totally freaked out by that idea. And like, you can't even trust that that much money could ever come to you. And if it did that, like, you know, you wouldn't get into a car accident and it wouldn't all disappear. Like your nervous system is dictating how much you can receive. I'm sure you can feel it just as I described that. It reminds me of a a child who like has been in foster care or who has been abused in any way who's had a really rough go and when they finally get paired with parents who are going to or uh, caretakers rather who are going to provide that child with stability and security and love or an abused animal anybody basically it's not like that child is just going to like relax into it right away and be like oh this is my new normal and just take it at face value and roll with the punches no that child's nervous system has been programmed to always be on the lookout for the signs that you know the rug is going to get pulled out from under them or that somebody is going to come and hurt them and violate them their beliefs and their nervous system can't handle can't handle that much love so they can only let this much love in but eventually over time they'll be able to let, let this much love in. And eventually over time, they'll be able to let this much love in. You know, like don't get mad at yourself if you're not able to instantly manifest. It's just that your, your nervous system based on your beliefs can't allow more of what you want in right now instantaneously. And that's okay. Just be gentle with it. It's programmed to help you survive. So you just... Treat yourself like somebody who's been through a lot. Be kind to yourself. Be gentle. Coax those, you know, tight edges. Like just 
coax them into a little bit more elasticity. And then like, just, you know, gently stretch that bubble of energy that you can allow into your space. And I'm telling you the way to do it is to tune into that love, tune into that unconditional God force love that is you, that belongs to you, that is being streamed to you at all times in a limitless abundance. That is the undercurrent vibration of everything you want to manifest. Just tune into that and practice being with that and receiving that, deeply receiving it. And it needs to resonate in your heart center. So the last thing I want to give is an example of how quickly this works. So I, like I said, this was the final piece that made me feel ready to talk about um, 5D magic and manifestation. All of these little pieces have been brewing for a long time, but I was like, there's something, there's one final puzzle piece that like I need before I can share it with people in a way that's coherent and they can apply to their lives. And the final missing piece was this love, this love part. And, and so, like I said, it was really only like last week that I really personified. It was on the topic of money and I really personified money. And then that just naturally evolved. Like I just, basically I just imagined money as like this, you know, handsome man who loves me so much and wants to pay all my bills. Me like, he just has a cupboard. He's like, goddess, I have you covered. Don't worry. Like just be your beautiful radiant self. I adore you. And not only do I have it covered, but I want to give you all these gifts. I want to shower you with like pleasure and gifts. And I get so, you know, it's my turn on to see you receive all the the gifts and the care and the support that I have for you. So that's where it started. But then it evolved into just this this love. So one time when I was tuning into that personification of money, it it went a layer deeper. And I was like, oh, all I want is to know that I'm not in this alone. I'm not alone. And that there's like love that's never going to go away, no matter what. And not only is it never going to go away, but I get to have it right now in this moment and in all moments, regardless of anything I'm experiencing externally, that's actually all I want. And as I started to tune into that, it was like less than a week later that I manifested something that I have been desiring since childhood. I can't give you the details because I'm sorry, (laughs) because it involves other people and I need to respect them. And it's brand new, like as of yesterday. brand new but it's something I've been desiring my whole entire life and it's like a cornerstone desire for me and it's a desire that I had almost pretty much given up on and it seemed like it was absolutely impossible and never going to happen never going to happen and it manifested yesterday like so much so much more quickly and easily than I ever could have thought and and I it was really just because I tuned into that frequency of love And really integrated that, oh, that's all any of this is. That's all any of this is. I wish I could give you a better illustration than that. Now, okay, so that was my masterclass. I tried to jam pack it with everything that you would ever need to uh, hopefully really, really change your own manifestation game, like change it up. 
real good. But of course, I'm giving this masterclass because I have an offering that I want to share with you. And so my offering is a 5D magic and manifestation program. It's a six month group program, limited number of spots. And it's really to support you in achieving your manifestations. So as a group program, it involves one training every month with the potential probably for spontaneous random rants and trainings as they come through me on the various topics of manifestation. So this is all very general, of course, but I am feeling really called to talk specifically about money, soul purpose slash career, loving like romantic and sexual partnership, family and friendship relationships, home, travel, lifestyle, health, family, those things. I want to talk about those specific topics um, and do trainings on those, as well as having two group calls a month, group sort of like coaching calls, where we really workshop the things that we're all manifesting and whatever bumps up, bumps we're coming up against and a continuous group discussion where we get to ask questions and support each other and celebrate each other and offer answers um, and insights so that we can all basically vibe together and achieve our manifestations, realize is a better word, realize our manifestations so much faster. So this is a really exciting program. I'm super, super pumped about it because I absolutely know that you can manifest the things that you want and that it's so much easier than you probably have ever believed. If you have any questions about that, if you're interested and you want the details, just send me a message. I'm holding space for, I'm not even sure how many people, it's like between five and 10 people a small intimate group so that we can really, really get our needs met and really, really support each other and create a loving, delicious, supportive network of like-minded beings as we move into fifth dimensional consciousness, basically. And really all of this is just about remembering how friggin' powerful we are and how unlimited we are in our potential, and what we can be, do, and have as God in human form here on earth. Okay, everybody have a great day. Thank you so much for joining me. And if you feel like you know anybody who would benefit from watching this training, please feel free to share it. Lots of love. Bye. Thank you so much for being here with me on this episode. I appreciate you more than my words could ever say. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and share, and I will catch you on the next episode.